The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Discovering the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound like something that draws you? Discovering the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Please say that together with me. Discovering the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe in God for a key time together around the Word. So let's get straight into what is perhaps the most well-known passage of Scripture, dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. Would you please turn so long to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 1 through to verse 11. Uh, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to look at it in your Bible. It will also appear on the screen. So here we go. This is the Apostle Paul. He is busy writing to the church at Corinth, the Corinthian church, and this is what he says. He says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12, now, concerning spiritual gifts, that's what we're talking about, the gifts of the Spirit. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Jump to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Just to stop for a moment there, some people think, well, I want the gifts for myself. And uh, the, the gifts can be a wonderful blessing to you in your personal life, but you need to look beyond yourself because it is used to bless and build up the body of Christ. And it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Then verse eight, here it begins to list these gifts of the Spirit. For to one is given the word of wisdom. There's the first gift, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. There's the second gift, through the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. How many of you want gifts of healings? Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, the last verse. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, that last little sentence, distributing to each one individually as he wills, some people have mistakenly thought that, okay, well then God maybe only gives me the, the gift of discerning of spirits, and, and that's my only gift, and I don't get any other gifts. And somebody else says, well, God gives me prophecy, and I don't get anything else. I wanna point out that when Paul is speaking here to the Corinthian church, he is talking in the context of a church gathering, a church meeting. 
And so when you come together in that gathering, even if it's a life group of 15 people, it's not like everybody's gonna operate in all the gifts, but in that meeting, the Lord may give one person a prophecy, one person a word of knowledge, one person this, one person that. And so I believe that all the gifts are for all of God's children. I really believe that as you look at the entire subject of the gifts of the Spirit, that that's the conclusion you will come to. So, most Christians are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know the fruit of the Spirit? Most people are, but in terms of the gifts of the Spirit, I would say that many people, Christians, don't actually know too much about the gifts. The fruit of the Spirit, on one hand, this includes things like love, patience, self-control, gentleness, all of those kinds of things. Whereas the gifts of the Spirit are different, they include things like the word of knowledge, prophecy, discerning of spirits, etc. So it is interesting to note that there are nine fruit of the Spirit and there are nine gifts of the Spirit. And for me, that's quite easy to remember. Nine fruit of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit. But today, we're not looking at the fruit. We're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, allow me to point out the obvious. Now, this might surprise you as I say this, and it is very obvious, but here it is. The gifts of the Spirit are in the Bible, You say, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. But it needs to be said, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in the Bible. Now, why do I emphasize it like that? And this is why. Because we as children of God should desire everything that God makes available to us. If it's in the Word of God, I want it. If God's talking about it, I want it. If God says this is a gift you can have, I want it. Do you want it? Do you desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, it is in the Bible. You wouldn't want to get to the end of your life and discover that you had never activated the gifts or experienced the gifts of the Spirit in your life. No, you'd be thinking then, I've lived like a pauper for so many years and there's gifts and things that God wants for me I haven't experienced. And so I wanna challenge people that are in their comfort zone and saying, well, I'm just happy to be saved. Going to heaven, kumbaya, sing around the fire, kumbaya, my Lord. I wanna challenge you that there is more to the Christian walk and we should wanna upgrade. You know what? <laughs> Mostly in life, we want to upgrade, like a cell phone, etc. you wanna upgrade, except maybe the older generation. You've got that lovely, pretty old cell phone with the big buttons and you just enjoy that old cell phone. But mostly the, the younger generation, they wanna upgrade. The moment the next iPhone's available or the next Samsung's available, they want it, they wanna upgrade, etc. And I wanna encourage you in your Christian walk, don't just say, well, I'm happy with just salvation. Say, I want everything that God has in store for me. Now, a question kind of about the gifts in general, why the gifts? Why the need for the gifts? Because Although it's in the Word and God wants us to have it and so on, we still need to say, well, why? Because if you don't have a, a, a conviction about the why, then you might never begin to desire them. Why the need for the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, here's a couple of reasons. They bring the manifestation of the Spirit into the natural. 
So they bring the supernatural into the realm of the natural. And I'm of the opinion that God wants lots of the supernatural at work in our lives. Why the need for the gifts? Well, they make us aware of the reality of God's power and presence of His anointing. Why the gifts? They cause people to believe in the living God. Sometimes an unbeliever can have a believer speak to them and operate in a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge and suddenly, you know, everything is opened up and they just respond to God. And it causes people to believe, wow, God is real. God isn't dead. God is at work in the world today. Why the need for the gifts of the Spirit? Well, they bring much needed revelation for effective Christian living where God can give you discernment in a situation and you operate according to that gift and suddenly you live in more effectively and you're avoiding traps of the enemy. Why the need for the gifts? Because they cause the body of Christ to be edified and built up. And sometimes if you look at a church and there's no life of the Spirit there, there's no built up, there's no edification, then perhaps it could be because the gifts are not there bringing that edification. One last reason why the gifts of the Spirit is they can even stir revival in a church. And I want it to be said loud and clear that as Choose Life Church, we are fully open to the person of the Holy Spirit and we are fully open to the gifts of the Spirit in this local congregation. Good, there should be an agreement in your spirit. Now, three points that I wanna share with you. Point number one, I'm gonna spend a little bit more time on and then, uh, and then we're gonna go into point two and three, which is just looking at two of the gifts. Point number one, preparing the ground for the gifts. Would you please say that with me out aloud? Preparing the ground for the gifts. Now, you cannot just jump from zero to 100 if 100 is operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There is a kind of a path and a process of growth. And I'd like to say this. Firstly, under this point of preparing the ground for the gifts, salvation is the first prerequisite to experiencing the gifts. You might say, John, well, I know that. That's pretty obvious, but it needs to be said. There might be some people that are listening to me today, listening online, and you just think you can get this without getting saved. No, salvation is the first prerequisite to experiencing the gifts. Why? Let me mention some things. Well, salvation removes the sin barrier that, uh, that blocks us from God. That barrier has to be removed, the sin barrier has to be removed by salvation so that there's nothing blocking us being together with God. It says in Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, now here it comes, having forgiven, please say forgiven, having, forgi having forgiven all your trespasses. We've gotta have salvation to remove the sin barrier. Another thing about salvation is that salvation restores relationship. Besides for the sin barrier being removed, relationship has, been, has to be restored. 
2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And so praise the Lord that relationship is restored, that we are reconciled to God. Another thing about salvation as a preparing of the ground is do you realize salvation takes away spiritual deadness? That spiritual deadness that we are found in before coming to the cross has to be removed and we have to be made alive to God. Our spirits move from being dead and we receive a whole new created, we are completely new creations. The spirit is alive unto God and that opens the way for the gifts of the spirit. And it says in Ephesians 2 verse one and four to five, and it says, you he made alive, please say alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So in verse one, it says, you he made alive. In verse five, it says, made us alive together with Christ. And so the wonderful thing is that we are born again and our spirits are made alive. And so folks, salvation is the first prerequisite to being able to move towards the gifts. But then the second prerequisite is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You have to first have, after salvation, the baptism in the Holy Spirit because it is kind of the doorway into experiencing all the gifts of the Spirit. Now in terms of this, allow me to say a few important things because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe that there are things that are un, uh, misunderstood regarding the baptism. Let me say a few things. That all Christians, listen carefully, have been baptized into the body of Christ. And that's according to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. But all Christians who've been baptized in the body of Christ have not necessarily been baptized in the Spirit. Some people listening to me right now, you don't even know this, you haven't even realized this. But you have to be baptized into the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit of God. Now, the term baptism in the Spirit describes what is known as the first infilling of the Spirit into a believer's life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's that first time where the fullness of the Spirit of God is poured upon your life. And so to say, it is the initiation into a life of fullness. Now, a theologian by the name of James Cumming says the following. He says, the baptism in the Spirit is the beginning of the full life of Christian experience in which for the first time, a change comes over the Christian, similar to that which came over the apostles at Pentecost, which can never be repeated. And I wanna make it clear, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a once-off experience. It is a decisive and definite experience. There is one baptism in the Spirit, but after that, there can be many infillings or refillings. 
And to use maybe a crazy example is that uh, when, when you bought the car that you may have, they put a tank into the car and they filled it up with fuel and that was the first time and the last time you ever have to put a tank into your car. And that's kind of like the baptism. You get the capacity, you get the tank and you get your first filling. But then thereafter, you need to fill up time and time and time again. And so I believe that this helps us to understand that this is a decisive and definite experience. Now, here is a key verse referring to the baptism in the Spirit. And it's Luke 3, verse 16. John the Baptist is speaking and he says, I indeed baptize you with water, but one, that's speaking of Jesus, one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He, that's Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And if you are hungry for the baptism of God, that should make you excited, that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. May I remind you that Jesus is the baptizer. Any so-called baptism in the Holy Spirit which tries to bypass Jesus is not genuine. It is a false baptism because it is only Jesus that can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when you ask Jesus for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you will never get an evil spirit or any other nonsense like that because God says, you know, if a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Absolutely not. If a son asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No ways. How much more will your Father give you the Holy Spirit? And so the emphasis here is that when you are asking for the Holy Spirit, you will receive nothing else but the beautiful, pure, wonderful baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. So Jesus is the baptizer. It's also important to realize that there is a definite connection between baptism in the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Now, I wanna say this. I believe that you can be baptized in the Spirit and not yet have had a breakthrough in tongues, but it should be imminent. It should be around the corner. Some people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they are just struggling to break through in tongues because they have a mental block in their mind and they think that this thing must come through their mind. No, no, no. The Bible says that he who prays in an unknown tongue, his understanding is unfruitful. You don't know what's going on in your mind. It is your spirit and you are a spirit being. Your, uh, your spirit is communicating with the Holy Spirit. And so that's why sometimes people, they're wrestling with this in their mind and they have to get over their mind. It's not about blanking out your mind, but it's about just being under the control of the Holy Spirit and letting your spirit communicate with God. Let me just tell you an interesting story. A gentleman that was in the first service who I've known, his name is Peter, he told a story to me years ago. He said he had been prayed for the baptism of the Spirit, but never came through with the gift of tongues. One day, he's busy driving along on the highway in his bucky, and as he's driving along, for some reason, I don't know how or what happened, a brick hit his front windshield and gave him the fright of his life. In that moment, you know what happened? According to his testimony to me, all of a sudden, 
tongues, heavenly unknown tongues, not swear words and nonsense like that, <laughs> heavenly unknown tongues just began to burst forth out of him. And he couldn't believe it. Suddenly, he's speaking in tongues. You know why I believe it's because his mind was kind of not, uh, you know, blocking the flow of the spirit. And all of a sudden from deep within him, just the tongues just began to come out all of a sudden. Amazing. Wow. And so I believe that there is this close link between the baptism and tongues. You know what? Tongues will give you the assurance that you are truly baptized in the spirit of God. I've discovered that those that haven't received the flow of tongues often doubt their baptism in the Spirit. But those that uh, speak in tongues never seem to doubt that they have the baptism of the Spirit. Now, there are many instances in the Bible where people receive the baptism and immediately thereafter begin to, began to speak in tongues. One such example is in Acts 19 verse six. And it says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, listen carefully, the Holy Spirit came upon them, there is the baptism, and they spoke with tongues, and in this instance, they prophesied as well. <laughs> they received the baptism and spoke in tongues. These two are very closely connected. I wanna tell you, I am convinced that tongues is for every single spirit-filled believer. Let faith arise in your hearts. It's for everyone, every spirit-filled believer. And I back this up from Mark 16, verse 17. It says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. This is a sign that will follow people that believe. And so those that haven't had a breakthrough yet in tongues, get hungry, get hungry. Come to the front after the service, ask one of the pastors to pray for you and say, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I want the evidence of tongues. Pray and believe God and He will give it to you. And so I wanna say, if it says that these signs will follow them that believe that they will speak with new tongues, let us just be childlike and let's just receive everything that God has for us. Can I have an amen? amen. Awesome. Now, I said point number one was gonna be a longer point. Now, two and three. Number two, the gift of a word of wisdom. Say this aloud with me. The gift of a word of wisdom. May God cause us to desire this gift of a word of wisdom. By the way, the Greek word for gifts is charismata. Charismata or charismata. This is what the word charismata, gifts, means. It means a gift freely, sorry, a gift of freely given grace, a gift of extraordinary power and blessing, a divine enablement or benefit. That's what it means. And so let me say that as we can receive the gifts of the Spirit in our life, we receive them entirely by the grace of God. We receive the gift by grace. It's not because you're so spiritual or I'm so spiritual or we think that we're so worthy. No, remember, the gifts are always given. They are not earned and they are given by the grace of God. And by the way, this Greek word for gifts, charismata, is where we get our word charismatic. You're all familiar with the word charismatic, am I right? Now, 
The charismatic renewal, which began in the late 50s and especially in the 60s, the charismatic renewal was basically a resurgence of the gifts of the Spirit all of a sudden in the church worldwide, the Christian church across the world. And so it was a resurgence of the gifts of the Spirit, or you could say the charismata of the Spirit. By the way, Choose Life Church, I guess we would be called a charismatic church, all right? Don't say charismaniac church, all right? Please just say charismatic church. Now, that means, when you say you're a charismatic church, it means you're a charismata church, you're a gifts church, you're a church that operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know what I fear? That there are many churches that once had the gifts, they're not operating them in them anymore, but they still call themselves charismatic church. I pray in this church, in the name of Jesus, that there would be a mighty and perpetual flow of the gifts of the Spirit of God in Jesus' name in our gatherings, in our smaller meetings, in our life group meetings. One of the best places to practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit is in the life group meeting. And Pastor Bruce says a loud amen on that one. <laughs> now, here is the verse. 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven to eight, the first part. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given, here it comes, the word of wisdom. We wanna learn about the gifts, here it is, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now, how do we define the word of wisdom? You need to listen carefully. If you wanna learn about the gifts, listen carefully now. How do we define a word of wisdom? And I searched high and low, and this is the best description I could get about it. This is the word of wisdom. It is the sudden and miraculous giving of wisdom to meet a particular situation or to answer a particular question. It goes on to say, it can also be the supernatural utilization of a particular piece of wisdom. Now, I just wanna read the first part again because we're learning about the gifts. What is the, the gift of the word of wisdom? It is the sudden and miraculous giving of wisdom to meet a particular situation or answer a particular question. Let me give you an example of a situation that I experienced. It was a few years ago, and I remember a pastor came to meet with me in my office. I had known him you know, kind of at a distance, met him once or twice, and, but didn't know him too well, and he came and sat with me in my office, and he was a French-speaking pastor. He had fallen on hard times, and it seemed as the discussion was going on that he was hoping that maybe we would offer him a job as a pastor at the church here, but I didn't sense that that was the right thing, and he told me of the brief stints, and because he was also involved in mission work, the brief stints that he had been in this country, in that country, and in particular in the UK, and then he was trying to plant a church in the CBD in Pretoria, and all of this, and it was though he really needed and was battling with direction. All of a sudden, after he had been speaking for a while, I blurted out the following. I said, listen, you are supposed to be in the UK. What are you doing in South Africa? 
I said, what are you doing in South Africa? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be back in the UK. That's where God led you. And you've gone on a wild goose chase. You need to get back there. You need to realign with the purpose of God. And mark my words, you will experience great blessing as you go back to the UK. He looked at me absolutely shocked and amazed. And after the shock had subsided for about 30 seconds, he said, you know, you're absolutely right. I have complete peace in my spirit about what you are saying. And what was it? It was simply a word of wisdom. He needed wisdom in his life in that time. And by the spirit of God, I give God all the honor. There was this word of wisdom. Go back to the UK, continue the work of the Lord there. And praise God, he could then align his life accordingly. That's a word of wisdom. In Acts chapter six, we see how Stephen was given great wisdom. And so Stephen was encountering some troublemakers. These guys were arguing, disputing, trying to fight with him about doctrine, but they weren't seeking in integrity. They were troublemaking people. But it was said of these troublemakers in Acts 6 verse 10, listen to this, that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit in which Stephen spoke. Can you imagine that? People coming against you, accusations and so on, and out of the blue, next thing, you just operate in this word of wisdom and suddenly the whole situation is diffused. Wow. Could it be that Stephen operated in a word of wisdom? They couldn't stand against the power of the wisdom. Could it be it was a word of wisdom? I would suggest to you, I believe so. An example of Jesus is found in Matthew 22, where it appears that Jesus operated in a word of wisdom. You see, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they were now trying to trick him. And they said, Jesus, you're such a wise man, you're a rabbi and all of this, and should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? They were hoping to get off the hook in terms of their taxes. And in Matthew 22, verse 19 to 22, Jesus said, he said, show me the money. <laughs> he said, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? I would suggest to you, right there was the word of wisdom. Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. He said to them, well, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And when they heard these words, listen to this, they marveled and they left him and went their own way. And I would submit to you that I believe that Jesus operated in a word of wisdom from God in that particular moment. And they marveled. I wanna tell you, a word of wisdom can co often cause amazement in the hearer. They're like amazed, they're like, golly, because you've been tapping into supernatural resources of wisdom and making it known to them. And so praise God that there is this word of wisdom that is available to us. I wanna say, child of God, we should begin to live with expectancy and expect that God can and will reveal things to us by the gifts of the Spirit. Point number three, which is not a long point. Number three, the gift of a word of knowledge. So firstly, we were talking about preparing the ground for the gifts. Then point number two, the gift of a word of wisdom. And number three, the gift of a word of knowledge. Say this out aloud with me, here we go. The gift of a word of knowledge. 
And in our chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, verse eight, the second part says, to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Oh God, we want this gift. We wanna operate in words of knowledge. How many of you by a show of hands, you say, yes, I desire this gift. Now, how do we define a word of knowledge? Here is a definition. It is the revelation of certain facts known to the mind of God which are supernaturally revealed by His Spirit. The revelation of certain facts known to the mind of God which are supernaturally revealed by His Spirit. And I'd like to point out that Paul called this a word of knowledge. This is not just knowledge in general that suddenly you like, woo. Einstein or something like that, no. This is a word of knowledge where God shows particular facts, particular information to you, which he wants to use you to share with others. I wanna read something to you, listen to this. You might be surprised to know that this gift, the word of knowledge, can reveal the whereabouts, conditions, or nature of a person, place, or thing. It can also reveal the thoughts of a person, and all this is revealed, uh, it's impossible in the natural mind, but in the spirit realm, it is completely possible. I wanna tell you, you can have a word of knowledge where God tells you exactly where you forgot your ring in your house. <laughs> and God suddenly quickens it to you, and you realize it was there, and you go and find it, and then suddenly you think, no, this was my own wisdom. I wanna tell you, God loves you. He loves to speak to you in so many ways. He can even show you things like that. But I also wanna say, be assured that this aspect of being able to discover something is here, or the condition of somebody, suddenly the Lord says to you, no, that person is busy crying right now. You need to phone them, and you need to encourage them. That is a word of knowledge. And be assured, this has nothing to do with mind reading, or clairvoyance, or ESP, or anything like that. Those are deceptions of the devil. They are counterfeits, they are lies. Never get into that but open yourself to the pure, beautiful word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, amen. Don't get into the counterfeit of the word of the enemy. In 2016, I was preaching down the road at Eastside Community Church. We were swapping pulpits on this particular Sunday, different pastors preaching in different pulpits, and there I was, and I was given a particular topic that I had to speak on. It was on purpose, because each Sunday had a particular topic. And so I was going for it and preaching my heart out and speaking on purpose and encouraging people to fulfill their purpose. And suddenly, spontaneously in this message, I just said the following. It came out of the blue. I said, you might be a Mrs. Potgieter and you're listening to me today and you are so discouraged with teaching and with the kids in the class that you are just wanting to throw in your towel. And I wanna say, please don't do that. Keep on, come on. You have a purpose to teach. Keep on releasing that gifting. Afterwards, Mandri still said to me, she said, it was quite strange. I mean, where did the Potgieter thing come from? I said, I don't know, Annie. I just, Potgieter just came up in the sermon, you know. Any case, that was the last I thought of it. But you know what? A few days later, the pastor of the church spoke to me 
And he said, you will not believe how spot on that was. I said, don't tell me because then I, don't, I won't believe it. No, no, just kidding. So he said, you will not believe. He says, there was a lady in our church on that Sunday, a Mrs. Portgitter, she's a teacher. The week before she had been so frustrated and she was thinking, I'm gonna stop teaching. But because of that word of knowledge, God has given her new faith and new release and she's gonna carry on teaching. Wow. I believe that it was a word of knowledge. I could have never known that, but it was a word of knowledge. One last example is that Jesus also operated in a word of knowledge with the woman at the well. Do you remember that? And so in the situation, it's in John 4, verse 17 to 18, Jesus said to her, this is the Samaritan woman at the well, you have said well that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Jesus could only know that by supernatural revelation. But what happened? It unlocked this woman's heart to God. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And as a result of this word of knowledge, her heart opened, she came to salvation in Christ. She went back to the town close by and she said, come and hear a man that has told me everything that I have ever done because it was the power of God in operation. And this makes me realize that some things that have been locked up for so long can break open with the spiritual gifts of the Spirit of God. And in this case, a word of knowledge. And so I wanna say as we're drawing to a close, folks, I wanna say the gifts of the Spirit are powerful and exciting, they really are. And also the gifts of the Spirit are in the Bible. <laughs> And so I wanna say to you, would you open up your heart to what God wants to do? These gifts are for every single believer. I believe with all my heart that God wants all of His gifts available to all of His children. And so these are gifts that you can operate in as you begin to open up your heart and life after being saved, after experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you just begin to ask God and He will give to you because if you ask, you will receive. Now come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise, amen? Awesome. Stand with me where you are, stand with me. Let's pray. Father, it's in your word and we want it. And Lord, I just sense that now is the time for Choose Life, that this message had, been, had to be declared. And we say, God, we desire the gifts of the Spirit. Your word says, earnestly desire the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We speak to any indifference in us and we move that aside. We speak to any apathy in our hearts. We move that aside. And we say, God, we wanna be sold out to you. We want to experience everything. And so we're beginning to trust you for the release of your spirit in Choose Life in a Greater Way and the release of the gifts in a greater way. And we say, thank you, Lord, that you will do it. It's your good pleasure to get us to experience everything you have for us. And now I bless these wonderful people, these spiritual believers 
in front of me, these spiritual believers listening, would you just receive this blessing as from your heavenly Father? And I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, and we all say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are free to go.